Wrong, sir. Wrong. I won't allow it. You need to be better. No, God! No, God, please, no! 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 Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 81 of This Is Not Acceptable. I am your host, Brendan McGurk. And I'm Steve Jones. And I just want to remind everyone, stop buying shit from Amazon right now if you can get it local, because it doesn't matter if you get fast free shipping right now, because you have nothing but time, and you want to get out of the house and go get it. So stop giving Jeff Bezos your money, because he just made $24 billion in the past month. Um, and I don't have a job and you can't get fast shipping anymore. Uh, Hey guys, we have a guest today. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome our good friend and, uh, very talented, uh, creator, uh, Eric Swanson. Hey everybody. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, of course. Um, so we're going to obviously get to the interview portion later, but, uh, you know, we got to do the stories first. So let's start. Let's, let's, let's have some fun guys. Hey, Brendan. Hey, Brendan. What's up? What's up? Who are you jealous of this week? Mm, Great question. I am jealous of a man by the name of uh, Underwood. (laughs) More specifically, (laughs) uh, Brent Underwood, because he's got great ball strength. What? Uh, uh, Nut muscle? (laughs) (laughs) Testicular fortitude. That's the word I'm looking for. Ah. Testicular fortitude. Um. Because he's a, he's a 32-year-old marketer who, a couple years ago, bought uh, an old ghost town in California. Um, which, already, that's a pretty crazy thing to spend $1.8 million on, or $1.4 million on. But, you know, no judge. Um, no judgment here. But what is more crazy is he... Uh, so he went there a couple weeks ago... Uh, to relieve his the the full-time caretaker um for a week because he wanted to go check on his wife in Arizona which is great it's a totally nice thing to do uh but what happened was uh shortly after showing up there he got snowed in and he's been there for a month which is it's a shitty situation right to be stuck in a ghost town snowed in for a month is pretty insane but what makes it all the more terrifying is the fact that this ghost town is supposedly haunted. Literal ghost town. Yeah, literal ghost town. Apparently the show apparently the show Ghost Adventures uh went there and they said it was haunted by the ghost of two children who had been died after being trapped in a closet. I will not make that joke. Um <laughs> I refuse to. Um uh, so th- the fact that he's living in a ghost town uh, with actual ghosts means that uh, he is so much more brave than I will ever be. And that's why I'm jealous of him. It's pretty crazy. Like, apparently, like, things go missing. um, Things fall down. Lights turn on and off in a ghost town with no electricity. How's that work? I don't know. Hmm. You know, it's all very crazy and uh, frightening. And, uh, you know, he's out there building snowmen underneath the stars. Uh, and, uh, I don't know, probably going insane. Yeah. This, his Instagram is going to get like weirder and weirder as he just posts stuff that is like keeping him busy since he's like 26 miles away from the nearest town or some shit. 
Yeah, he's like, here's this cave painting I made with my own blood and feces. <laughs> okay, That's Wilson. exactly what I was picturing just now. Yeah, he's, <laughs> I hope he doesn't need any dentistry. We'll see how that shit turns out. Yeah. Uh, apparently, he's got enough rice and canned tuna to get him through until the snow thaws, uh, which sounds like a great diet. Rice and canned tuna. I can't wait for this to go back on the market about six months from now for like 80 bucks when he's like, just somebody <laughs> buy this fucking thing for me. Get away. And don't want to ever go near this. They're like, remember the movie Duplex starring Ben Stiller? No? Okay, never mind. No one died here, but what actually happened is much, much worse. Yes. it's It used to be the site of child murder, and now it's worse. <laughs> Yeah, well, apparently back in its heyday, so it's an old silver mining town, and back in its heyday, there was like a murder a week, um, which is pretty crazy. So that's not something I am interested. I don't think I believe in ghosts, but that's only until I'm in a dark room. Yeah, that's easy for you. And then I believe in ghosts. Uh, One time at the Uptown Theater, uh, uh, Devin got drunk and then walked us through the basement on live stream. And I've never been more scared in my entire life. I hated every second of it. Hey, Steve. Hey. <laughs> Who are you jealous of this week? I'm jealous of Price is Right contestant Andy. Because in a recent episode that just aired, he won the ultimate prize for the show. A trip for four to game four of the 2020 NHL Stanley Cup Finals. Value. That's a pretty great prize. 12, what could go wrong with that? $12,000 trip that probably won't happen because stupid Corona. Ooh. So it was taped on February 24th. No problem. The world is, well, America generally is fine. Nothing shut down. But it aired after the NHL had announced that the season was closed and was suspended. <laughs> uh, they haven't officially said the Stanley Cup's not going to happen, but geez, the Stanley Cup happens in June. So, you know, fingers crossed. So then it Mm -hmm. aired and everyone was like, oof, what a look. Um, And now people are like, hey, so what happens? Like, if they don't have the Stanley Cup, like, what does this guy get? I feel like if they're just like, we give you $12,000 in cash, he'd be like, I'm the biggest fan of hockey in the world. I'm still taking (laughs) $12,000. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it totally is fine. Oh, well. I don't know. Give me a fridge or a five-year-old uh, Nissan that you're going to give away anyway. Hey, my student loan. cup over the shoulder. Eh. <laughs> yeah, this is all. This is all uh, yeah, that's just like you, you'd, you'd think that the network would catch that, right? But maybe not. I don't know. I mean, like, how do you screen for it? Like, do you just have someone be like, okay, watch these episodes before they go out to see if there's no pandemics? You know, there's no, no one... No one's like name is Kovix or anything. Well, that's true. It probably was um, like they probably shoot like six, seven episodes in a day. And this was two months ago. So I'm sure it just fell through the cracks that people forgot that this was even a prize. You know? Yeah, they tried. That would be me. I would finally win something worth winning and they'd be like, psych, the world ended. (laughs) Oh, no. You get a 2013 Mayan calendar. <laughs> I guess I'll just go rafting through uh, the 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 thing that we talked about last week. The Grand Canyon. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, you're holding up well. 
Yeah, I'm doing good. What's what is uh, what does sunlight look like again? I don't I don't remember. Does not compute. <laughs> hey Eric, I got a question for you. Who me? Who are you jealous of? <laughs> now that we have all this time to do all this stuff on the internet, like watch media and you know play games with our friends via video chat um i'm all ready to do that but my internet really really sucks so i'm i'm jealous of all the people that have really sweet nice internet uh i i'm jealous of them too because uh i hear you brother i used to live out in the boonies near you and uh sometimes you you, you gotta wait you know yeah you just gotta wait for things uh like buffering a netflix video taking yeah you know 30 minutes to watch a 23 minute show that happens sometimes you know yeah i uh i binged a whole season the other day and it only took me 36 hours watching it nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> it was great to restart my ps4 15 times <laughs> it was great oh uh, oh y'all got them fancy ps4s out there <laughs> I'm I'm still on that PlayStation Two. Yeah, but you hey. plugged a router directly into it. You're fine. <laughs> I had to buy a wireless card. Remember those? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, that's a very. Uh, so what what have you been doing to occupy your time then? Oh well, I mean, I still I've I've been doing all that stuff. It's just not as nice or or instant as um as a lot of other people have it. Being able to respond. Um, to people and they can you know hear me more or less in real time right he's he's just been parked outside of his business uh trying to leech off of uh wi-fi <laughs> on the parking lot Kina, 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 so in florida uh the as all over the place the judicial system is trying to continue uh despite coronavirus pandemic and so they have been doing a lot of zoom meetings for some of the lower level offenses that you wouldn't be nervous to have on a video conferencing site with virtually no security. So um, Broward County has held 1,200 Zoom meetings involving some 14,000 participants since the court shut down on March 16th. The problem is, according to Broward Circuit Judge Dennis Bailey, a lot of the attorneys are the worst. And so he sent out a letter that was published by the Western Bar Association that said, uh, put on some clothes and get out of bed, you assholes. Quote, it is remarkable how many, all caps, attorneys appear inappropriately on camera. One male lawyer appeared shirtless and one female attorney appeared still in bed, still under the covers. Putting on a beach cover-up won't cover up your poolside in a bathing suit, he wrote. So, like, I feel like there's like a a serious like weekend at Bernie's level... Uh, chicanery going on here uh one of my hockey teammates we had like a a go-to meeting happy hour the other day and one of them said that he had heard about someone who basically she was she took a picture of herself uh taped it up in front of her monitor uh for her college class her remote college class and then just went off and did laundry during her class and got full credit for it (laughs) i feel like these attorneys are doing the same thing they're just kind of like that's cool whatever like uh, i'm on the toilet your honor I object. <laughs> and he's like, I object. <laughs> uh, my cousin Vinny is crushing it in the Broward County courts because that guy mm-hmm. already didn't give a shit. 
I need you to evacuate these charges like I am evacuating my bowels. Just let me finish the shower. You know what? Never mind. I'll just finish the shower. Well, let's keep talking. Like, there's, uh, this is like the uh, news, how, like, uh, newscasters just wear, like, nice clothes up top, and then underneath they just have, like, shorts and uh, and flippy floppies on. But, mm-hmm. now, but now it's just the, the judges being like, dude, I can see, like, I can see the bottle and the glass next to you. Like, take it down a notch. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, it's a little much. Whatever. Every 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 day is is hump day, and every every hour is happy hour in Broward mm. County. So, uh, Steve, you're still going into the office, right? I am still going. Uh, I am not going into the office uh, at all now. I am totally from home. Uh, every once in a while, I have to go in because I have to do like layout stuff. I have to do computing that I cannot do from home. But as far mm-hmm. as just like day to day reporting level stuff, I we have um, our system is accessible uh, via the Internet. So Monday through Friday, when I have Monday through Friday shifts, which is usual now, I work entirely from home. They have called our hours back a little bit just as like cost savings requirements. Um, mm-hmm. But I basically work almost a full day every day at home. But man, working from home in like a white collar setting is awful. It's also just like very, uh, you are very tempted to just uh, play Madden all day. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I have fought that. It's very admirable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, before I had the store to go to, um, it's really, really hard to work from home exclusively because, like, you're home and that's where all your stuff is. So you're like, oh, I can just do this thing later or, you know, it's really, really tough Um, unless you're like super disciplined, which we try to be here. But the reason I asked you was that, um, and this is for Brendan too, um, when you're working from home, do you get dressed? Um, Because I always get dressed um, if even if I'm spending the whole day at home, um, even if I'm just going to be inside all day, I, I have to get dressed. Otherwise, I just don't feel like quite like a real person. How about you guys? I definitely have look like I am. It's laundry day every day. I definitely do not dress up. This judge would be very disappointed with me, but I have only been on like one video conference. I'm mostly just like phone calls when I do interviews. But when the one video conference I did have was I definitely did not turn on the video portion. I definitely was just a black screen with my name on it. Working at home sucks, especially uh, when you're normally so active, you know? I do. And um, it's some, some jobs you just can't do at home, including uh, being a professional wrestler for the WWE. <laughs> um, so this next story is crazy because uh, I don't know how this happened. I don't know if palms were greased. I don't know if um, big, large men were greased and then wrestled <laughs> together. Um, but the WWE is now officially in Florida deemed an essential business, which means they're uh, allowed to resume live television shows from the training facility in Orlando and Full Sail, Full Sail University in Winter Park. Um, uh, originally, uh, the, the shelter-in-place order was effective April 3rd, and it runs through at least April 30th. Now that we know how things are going, probably later. But... Uh, that mean that meant that only people 
who worked at essential businesses could uh, could go to work, could leave. Um, and, you know, it makes sense that, that uh, the WWE is not an essential business. But, however, uh, in an April 9th memo from Governor Ron DeSantis's office, uh, it now says that uh, the WWE is an essential business um, because it's uh, essential that, uh, you know, you, you you get some uh some some wrestling boys in there. Ron you know? DeSantis continues to be the real life uh, mayor of Amityville in Jaws. <laughs> yeah, uh, they asked, uh, "You shouldn't have uh, you shouldn't have done this." Here's here's a quote from a reporter. They say, uh, "Quote: You shouldn't have done this. Uh, this is a problem." And he responded, "Quote: What you gonna do, brother?" So <laughs> he used Ron DeSantis's famous finishing move. <laughs> yeah uh he hit him with a, a, a stone cold stunner he hit him with florida man <laughs> that's a finishing move yeah uh brendan would you what? be would you make a good wrestler would you be a good wwe personality um i w- okay i would not make a good wrestler but i would make a good like uh ring mate yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'd be the the, the sleazy guy who is the uh, like. Uh, Are you the manager? Uh, yeah, I'd be the manager. You'd um, be the ring girl. I I would be the I would be the the creepy manager like uh, simping over all of the the uh, the the ring girls. <laughs> you think you can handle that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, all right. A friend of mine actually got uh, offered uh, a job to write for the WWE, which is like his dream job, but he had to turn it down because he couldn't do stand up anymore. Oh. But like, uh, that's kind of also my dream job too. <laughs> Why? What's the conflict that you can't do both? Why can't you do both? Uh, because you have to write a four hour program five days a week. Uh, you millennials. Just kidding. <laughs> that's a legit. That's a legit reason. Eric, would you be a good wrestler? Um, I, I don't know. Um. Kind of like Brendan said, uh, I might be better um, as like the support, like the support cast or, you know, um, I yeah, think I don't you, know. I think you'd be a good announcer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. I think if they put a microphone in front of you and you got to wear like a classy, unique hat that would become your calling card, <laughs> I think you could definitely make that. You'd be the guy who'd be like, I can't believe that just happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, do it like just this is commentary. the greatest moment in sports entertainment I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, for That's sure. That's what I need. And also, you have to be like shocked every time someone comes out of the ring and like lands right on top of your like your whole setup, <laughs> and, but not also get brained by them coming at you like once once a night. How about you, Steve? What do you think? I think that I would probably. I mean, like, I think I'd be an okay wrestler physically because of just like having been an athlete but i don't know if i would be like i'd be like one of those guys that were they were like he was he he like was a good wrestler or like a good like gatekeeper but like we couldn't do anything with this uh moron because he's like personality negative they'd like Mm want to give me storylines and i'd be like yeah so you could just be Ah! like a you (laughs) would just be that you'd be a jobber dude you'd just be like a local guy yep yep or i'd be a I'd be like a tag team partner that like is pretty athletic, but not like the one who gets the mic. You could yeah. be like Roman Reigns. Yep. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I could definitely be the uh, 
the guy that like on when they when the new stars on the way up, they're like, I beat the British Bulldog and Steve the Moron and this other guy, <laughs> and now I'm making it big. <laughs> I mean, you could be like, uh, so Roman Reigns was and is still like the the person that Vince McMahon wants to be the face of the WWE, mm-hmm. but literally everyone hates him because he's like such a nothing personality. <laughs> he's just a like, blank canvas. Like literally all he does is spear like spear punch and, and like Superman punch and that's it. And like as like for years uh Vince has tr- been trying to make him like the hero of the WWE and like people do not want it. Can, and for some reason he just won't let it happen. They're like, "Hey, can you just watch some old like WrestleMania single digits and like watch the Hulk and like when he talks, can you do that much at least? Like it's not a we're not it's not a huge ask." Yeah, it is crazy like uh audiences i mean it's it's calmed down now but like audience used to like not let him talk like they, they just shan't because the audience is mic'd always and they would just like there's there's like uh i don't know if it was a, i forget what it was a pay-per-view where they chanted like asshole for eight minutes straight while he was trying to talk before a match that's brutal yeah like nobody likes him eh, but for feeling. some reason Nobody likes him but Vince. Kina, 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 Kina. So I saw the clip of the Instagram live stream of Cardi B and Senator Bernie Sanders, which, first of all, the love child's going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> but So I go on, and I'm like, I want to read about this. Uh, Cardi B and her Uncle Bernie on Instagram live talking shit about the president and his crap-ass response to the coronavirus pandemic. We're the best country Ooh, in the cool. world. Uh, uh <laughs> And other noises that Bernie Sanders makes. Boo-coo. Um, and the problem <laughs> is, <laughs> the waffles that I got spit hot bars. I spit hot bars. Um, he, I, so I go on the video and I watch it and I don't make it like 10 seconds into this video because I'm so distracted by the fact that Cardi B has Robin egg blue nails that are literally longer than her fingers. And I can't pay attention to anything else in this video. So it's completely lost on me. And I really want to like this. <laughs> but my attention span is the length of those fingernails and I'm gone. I'm just gone. And I, everything she do, does on Instagram live is super funny. And Bernie Sanders is always super funny. Uh, if not just entertaining because of the way he talks, but I can't, I don't know what happens in this video because I don't hear sound while I'm watching it. <laughs> uh, and also all the responses on like Twitter and Instagram were super, super funny, including, including Brendan's favorite. Yeah, so um, uh, a guy by the name of uh, Chris Witchy um, at Film the Burn on uh, Twitter. He's obviously a videographer for uh, for Bernie Sanders, and he posted a picture of like he's behind Bernie. uh, He's uh, on on his iPad talking to Cardi B uh, with a caption. One day I'll tell my grandchildren about the time I gaff taped Bernie Sanders iPad to a cushion. So he can talk with his hands while streaming with Cardi B. Um, I love which too, has got to be something. He looks at his uh, iPad the same way. Like I can see that my dad is trying to use Skype. Like he's just kind of <laughs> he's like hunched over. He's got his arms like around it. Like not he's not holding onto it, but he's like leaning way in, like trying to make it happen, like doing his best. That old like that Bernie kind of like physical passion. Like he's just like ah, I want to be involved in this, <laughs> and that's exactly mm-hmm. what he looks like in the picture. So it's perfect. Yeah, they 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 say um, they taped it so he can talk with his hands, but they honestly just didn't want to see like 
uh, from his chest looking up into his his, his nose yeah. angle because that's the probably what it would have happened. Cam effect. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. Um, I hope they do another one where Cardi B wears mittens, so I can tell you what happens in it. <laughs> I hope they do another one where Bernie was just like, "Oh man, I was just kidding about dropping out of the race and embracing <laughs> that psychopath." I'm still actually going to be the president. Get out of here. <laughs> He would, that was the worst part was that if he had still in the race, that was supposed to be when they on Instagram live, when they announced that she was going to be his vice president. Oh, that, that would be the, the undercard. <laughs> that would be amazing. Stacey Abrams. Nope. <laughs> All he has to do to get her as his running mate is pronounce her real first name, which is impossible. Funeral. Oh, man, wasn't that an old um, uh, bumper that we haven't heard in a while? Oh, I love the funeral home affairs bumper. That was definitely awesome. Wasn't that a great sound, uh, uh, Eric, that you definitely heard and I didn't add in post? I uh, My mind was just so, so blown. Just so, so blown. <laughs> well, just you wait till you actually hear it. It's a good one. Um, all right, so here's one of my favorite old segments when we used to have segments like this. Thank you. Um, uh, so Eric, a, a little bit of backstory about this segment. Uh, uh, a couple years ago, I got obsessed with, um, just like the goings on at funeral homes because it's like some stuff happens oh, like really crazy. And I'm sure right now it's like a terrible time, but here is this, uh, a story that's, it brings a little levity to the situation. Yeah, it's not just a horrible, like they left a bunch of heads in an urn. Yeah, that's what it started to become when we would do those. Yeah, that's why we stopped because it got really dark really quick. <laughs> really depressing. Uh, but okay, we go to New Jersey, uh, where a man by the name of Ethan Palazzo, uh, age thirty, and uh, uh, his full ad- they have his full address. Why do- is that normal? Uh, it is in most states. Uh, you are familiar with how we joke about how uh, Florida man is always in the news because uh, the sunshine laws in Florida allow like a lot more information to be disseminated to the press. The mm-hmm. default is that um, we, when you get a police report, when the press gets access to a police report, it has their full address. And generally we use full addresses because we're trying to differentiate between people. So when we say like Brendan McGurk of Clinton went streaking again, if there's more mm-hmm. than one Brendan McGurk, we want to say the ad- address of the other guy, the one who really did it, because it definitely not be you. Um, You're right. So like if there, if like saw so like if uh, like Jim Smith committed a crime, you'd be like, okay, we're in a big city. There's a bunch of Jim Smiths. This one's from Park Ave. But gotcha. Uh, some places are actually some states are actually limiting this information now because of like uh, right to privacy type information, so that they mm-hmm. won't they won't give out the address until after you're convicted of it, not just when you're charged gotcha. with it, which is probably pretty fair. Okay. Well, this Ethan Palazzo uh, from Collingswood, New Jersey, is charged with burglary, criminal trespass, and criminal mischief because he broke into a funeral home, stripped naked, and left cold beer in a casket. (laughs) It's like a a fun night. Yep. Uh, A fun Saturday night. He Uh, checked off all, like, a whole card worth of weird shit to do at a funeral home. Bingo. Like, bam, in like an hour. He just ran, he ran through them all. Uh, so uh, about 8 p.m. Saturday, boom, kicks open the side door of Thomas P. Kearney Funeral Home. It was unlocked. Like, <laughs> but for the for the uh, dramatic effect, he still kicked it open. Um, 
he smelled of alcohol, and uh, when the police got there, he said that he didn't have a reason for breaking in. Then he just said he wanted to speak with his girlfriend, according to the complaint. And then uh, he, this next sentence is my favorite sentence I've ever read in an article ever. He was nude when he was arrested. Cut and paste, <laughs> add into every story we ever read. <laughs> Even with no arrest made. Just Absolutely not. Put that in there. Um, yeah, so apparently he went in there stripped naked in a couple different places in the building. Uh, he also rifled through the closet containing the morgue's chemicals, and it was unclear if he took anything. Uh, then they found a cold bottle of beer inside one of the display caskets. I don't even know what uh, that is, man. I didn't put that there. That was there. <laughs> uh, that's what I was looking for. That's why I came in. Um uh, police also believe that he rummaged through a car parked outside and left behind an open can of Natty Ice because obviously he's not drinking craft beers. <laughs> oh, and uh, yeah, just a fun Saturday night. He said he want he wanted the reason he was there he was breaking in was to speak with his girlfriend. Follow up, please. What the fuck does that mean? So no, that, he didn't why say he that. Was there? Oh, he okay. said he didn't have a reason, and then later also said. Yeah, he said I don't I don't have a reason for breaking in and then asked to speak with his girlfriend. Wait, so oh he 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 was basically saying like I want to speak to my attorney who is also my girlfriend. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, all right, now I understand. Now his whole thing <laughs> makes sense. <laughs> yeah. It's not like he he thought his girlfriend was dead That's or what like I thought. <laughs> no, yeah. He's like I fucked up and the only person I know who could help me right now is my girlfriend. I need to speak to my girlfriend. Okay. Well, I, I think is what happened. I didn't understand at first mostly because I've been drinking and bombing fluid here. I'm all, <laughs> wacky. I'm all wacky. Pina, Pina, Pina. Let's go to Georgia. A pregnant woman is in police custody after she stole a CBS news van, sped off and crashed it nearby. I mean, she didn't even get that far. So like what are we? What are we <laughs> hyping? Uh, the problem was is that when she stole it, there's a reporter still inside. So she like live from the scene uh -oh. of this car chase. It's me in the backseat. <laughs> uh, at 5:30 a.m. on Tuesday, police responded to a single car crash near 17th Street in Midtown Atlanta. I don't know why I'm reading this details. And all of our listeners know exactly where 17th Street in Atlanta is. So I skip ahead. Um, there was a wrecked 2011 Toyota Highlander. 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 Uh, Hollander, apparently <laughs> Hollander, which is not a car type, uh, but is reminiscent of the Toyota Highlander, uh, was crashed. But there was a crew from CBS 46 setting up to report from that scene when the mother to be approached the van, which was running, hopped in and hit the gas. However, digital reporter Ayani Hughes was in the cargo van of the van, cargo area of the van editing when it was carjacked and she's shouting uh -oh. for help. No one's pulling over, so she's like, okay, look, this is going to happen. She gets out of the cargo area, moves up to one of the seats, sits down, buckles up. Why was she being so cautious? Because Hughes, like the driver, is also pregnant. Uh-oh. She was unharmed. She was taken to the hospital for examination. But we have a highly pregnant situation happening in this car accident. Luckily, no, mm -hmm. none of these moms got hurt. Um, And in the most ironic... uh situation of the year they had a bumper sticker that says drive slow baby on board <laughs> drive fast baby stealing this car <laughs> two babies on board uh yeah i wonder again why this happened uh i think it's because um the 
the woman who stole the car got a call from her drunk boyfriend at a morgue <laughs> and really needed to get down there. I got to go to New Jersey stat. <laughs> you should come with me, reporter. There's a crazy story there. <laughs> Breaking news. Thank you. Okay, hold on. We got for the regular half. Okay, we're gonna do the interview real quick. I do have to pee, so I'm gonna go pee real quick. Lovely. And then we'll when then we'll get back for the interview. All right, I'm back. Okay. Eric Swanson, thank you for joining us on the show today. Now we were gonna do uh, a little chat with you about some of the projects that you got going on. We like to have creative local people come on and tell us about some of the things that they're doing that people can uh, get hip to and check out uh, local creative things. So first of all, tell us about yourself. Who is Eric Swanson? All right. So uh, my name is Eric. Um, I grew up um, in this area, um, went to HP, grew up in Floyd. Um, right after that, well, went to uh, went to MV for a little while and then struck out, went to Europe for a little while, um, spent some time in, uh, in New Paltz, um, lived in New York City for about 10 years. Um, where I met my wife, who is also from this area. Uh, we met completely randomly, didn't know each other back here. Um, and uh, we moved up here a couple of years ago, and uh, the rest is history. You are a uh, entrepreneur. You have, have started a few different businesses, uh, some things that bumbled up when you were in the city, some things that now that you've been back here. Uh, talk about um, what you did uh, creatively that intersected with being able to make a living down in the city and then how that continued as an extension up here. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, um, I had a couple of regular, regular jobs. Um, they were sort of in the creative field, but they were, you know, they were in an office. Um, I lost, um, one of those jobs and, um, I was just kind of hanging around for a little while. And I had some friends who were artists who were selling their work, um, on union square, just, um, you know, just with little tables. <clears throat> um, and uh, I was getting into screen printing. So I started to do some, you know, some wacky t-shirts and stuff and some other artwork and started selling it down there um, just right on the park and did that for a couple of years. It was basically like my, I, I mean, I, I meant it just to be sort of like a little, like a, like an interim thing uh, became like a full-time thing. Um, and then some things happened with Union Square Park and artists being able to sell um, sell their stuff on the sidewalk or in public. Um, so that whole thing crashed. But we were able to transition to the internet, um, and we were doing that for a while. And then um, we decided that we wanted to move back up to this area, and it was actually really easy because our business was really successful, and we could do it anywhere because it was on the internet. Um, so we, uh, you know, got ourselves set up up here. Um, and then just as sort of a crazy sort of, I wouldn't say a pipe dream, but just sort of like a, it was almost a whim um, that we opened Cloud Giant, the game store. Why did you think that that was a good fit for you? Why, why choose that? Yeah, so uh, the first couple designs that I did on, on T-shirts, T-shirts were weird because... Um, you could sell paintings and, you know, jewelry and anything like that um, right there on the street. But if it was apparel, 
it had to have some kind of message um, and that made it so it was um, free speech. So that was that was the loophole that allowed artists to sell their stuff um, on the street. So um, I had I was doing these these logos that looked like a logo that you would know, um, but there was something weird about it. And uh, the first one that I started printing was Stop Wars. It looks like the Star Wars logo, um, but it says Stop Wars. Um, and I thought that was kind of cute. And I uh, started selling that, and it did pretty well. Um, I was I was teaching myself um, screen printing. Um, I was getting some help from some other people that that were doing that as well. Um, but um, I was you know figuring out how to do all of the stuff um, myself, just in my in my apartment. Um, so then I did a couple other designs. Um, most of the stuff that I did early on was message oriented, which you know, I'm not really like a message kind of guy. Um, so I tried to do just stuff that I thought was funny, um, stuff that I, you know, thought was, you know, clever or just kind of subversive. Um, we did a design. Uh, I say we because I was with another, uh, uh, I had a different girlfriend back then. Um, and she was kind of part of the part of the team. But um, we uh, did a design. Um, uh, do you guys remember that song? Um, this is why I'm hot. Hell yeah, that's one of yeah. my favorites of your shirts. Um, <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, it was. Um, it was basically like a global warming. It was like a diagram, like a drawn, hand drawn diagram of global warming, um, and the text said, "This is why I'm hot." And I, I made so much money off of that shirt. It was, it was insane. Like just really, really kind of mind bogglingly. <laughs> like mind-bogglingly insane how much money that I made and I just you know I guess I was kind of living large um and uh just kind of spent it all <laughs> um but you know I just you know the, I, I gradually tried to, to to start incorporating more of my own artwork because you know I've been drawing and and illustrating like my whole life so um I was trying to get you know more of my just different weird you know, cartoons and illustrations and different things like that. Um, and that was definitely harder to do um, than something that just kind of grabs people with, with text, I guess. Um, uh, so after, um, after the Union Square um, public art selling thing kind of imploded, um, I was doing some different craft fairs and I just randomly made a shirt um, uh, well, I was reading, uh, Game of Thrones, the, the books, this was a little bit before the TV show came out. And, uh, I did a shirt, um, that had all the, the Stark kids names on it with the ampersand. So it was, um, uh, what's his name? Rob and Rob and Sansa and Arya and Bran and Rickon and John. And, uh, just did it, just made a shirt for myself. And then, uh, I made a couple and brought it to a craft fair. And I sold them and I was like, hmm, okay, well, let me make some more. And people were buying them because everyone was kind of into Game of Thrones at that time. And then I started gradually um, creating a lot of the, the sigils of the different um, houses from Game of Thrones. And uh, people were liking them. I was getting to express like my, you know, my, my design nature um, through the lens of this, you know, pop culture kind of thing. And um, it started to really take off. And that was, 
why it was really easy to sell on the internet because everyone was just wanting to buy my stuff, which is kind of cool. Um, and then, uh, you know, that's, like I said before, that enabled me to kind of be able to work anywhere. So that's why we decided to come, come back home and, uh, set up shop up here. And, uh, so we would do online sales, but then we started to do, um, the con of thrones, which is a yearly, like big main game of thrones convention. And we've been doing that for the last three years. And, um, that's kind of like the main thing of that business now. Um, everything's kind of died down since the show was over. Um, uh, you know, so we just kind of do the, the convention thing with that. And it's, it's sustainable in that respect. Um, so that, so, you know, and that, that company is called fencing and archery and we, it's kind of on the back burner right now. It's just sort of simmering. Um, and, now uh cloud giant the game store is kind of the main the main business um and that was just kind of a whim first i would like to say though like hurry up with those uh spinoffs hbo let's go so we can <laughs> make some new shirts like let's go i know i mean i just remember you saying like you know you were like i uh i forget what the uh the exact store uh in 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 brooklyn the uh the 20 sided die or whatever yeah. it was called you know that, yep. that there was a, a vibe that like when you were playing a little bit down there was like a kind of a cool vibe and you wanted to maybe specifically so i'm i'm a patron of of cloud giant and um uh so i mean that's how i know steve i know steve i know most of my friends through magic i, I started playing in middle school and um uh all my whole friend group plays and like i said i, m- I met people like steve and, and, and people like you eric through steve through all through magic and there there is and uh, all the magic stores I've been to because I've lived in a couple different places and I've always found shops there. There are usually two different like vibes when you, when you go to a, a game store like that, where one is um, it's all about uh, getting the most for your money. And it's all about um, playing to win and then getting the prize support. And that's really it. And then there, there are stores that, don't necessarily offer the best prize support, but really offer it. It's, it's, it's about the community and it's about just having fun and playing about the gathering. And yeah. And, and neither of these are wrong. I don't think I think they're, they're both, they're both, uh, perfect, perfectly legitimate, uh, ways to play the game, but I was never super competitive. I mean, I, I like to have fun and, and build goofy decks and something. And that's something that I really found, um, awesome about cloud giant so was that like in the forefront of your mind when you decided to start it oh yeah absolutely um that like that was part of it um another thing was um has to do with the kind of rpgs that i like to promote but i'll i can loop back to that after after that um after this but um yeah like i i had you know when i was in living in brooklyn there was a store called 20 sided 20 sided store and um it was just a cool game store. It had all the, you know, board games, you know, all kinds of stuff like that, RPGs. Um, and um, I started going to, well, I started playing Magic again with some of my friends who um, were just kind of getting into it, just, you know, just in a really casual way. And, and we would play just kitchen table magic a lot. And sometimes we would go to, to Friday Night Magic at 20 Sided. And I never really did that great. Um, but I never felt like 
I never felt just crappy for losing. Um, and their, their price support was pack per win, just like we do at, at cloud giant. And, um, so that was the only way that I knew. So, um, when I came back up here and started playing magic at different places, um, you know, even if I won a couple of games, sometimes I wouldn't get anything because of the top eight or top four or whatever. And I just thought that was kind of lame. And on top of that, a lot of, just a lot of the vibe that I was getting from, from people and from places was just not that great. Just, it just didn't feel like, you know, I didn't, I wasn't happy to be there and other people weren't happy that anyone else was there really. It just, you know, just, just a different vibe. Um, but, uh, um, on top of that, I was trying to get different game stores to, I was trying to run demos of different indie RPGs um, that I was into and, you know, just to kind of get people exposed to other things that are out there besides D&D and the other traditional RPGs that everybody knows. Um, and uh, just, I would plan things in different places and it would always fall through. And I was really... I don't know. I was talking to Tara, my wife, you know, about it and just, you know, she's like, well, why don't you just open your own store? And I thought she was joking. Um, and, uh, she wasn't, she's like, no, let's, you know, try it. Look for, look for places, you know, we'll see, we'll see what we can do. You're passionate about this stuff. Um, so it started as just kind of like, I wanted to bring like a vibe and I wanted to bring certain just concepts in gaming, I guess, to people. Um, just so they can see like what else is there besides just the things, like the, the only things that they know. And, uh, I opened the store just on a shoestring and it was kind of rough and kind of scary at first, but the people that I wanted to feel welcome and happy at my place just, uh, just started coming and spreading the word and, um, yeah, it's it's been kind of a, a really cool, really cool kind of a movement. I suppose I I suppose it's kind of like more like a movement, uh, like a community movement than uh, you know, than a than a, just a place of business, I guess. Okay, um, so you also have a lot of um, kind of like, uh, not necessarily like business ventures per se, kind of the 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 intersection of passion project and art and and just and the the capitalist economy uh so you've had a few uh i know you've had a couple kickstarters that you've done uh, in cooperation with another game designer lately why don't you talk about kickstarter and getting to put uh, get, getting to design yourself instead of uh, the uh, being a fan of other people's games and now being able to get to to be a creator of those games yeah um uh a few years ago um, I met a guy named Michael O'Connor um, at uh, Games on Demand at PAX East. Um, Games on Demand is a group that um, it's like a, a group of volunteer game masters that um, run RPGs, just demos of RPGs for people just, just because they want to share um, the stuff that they're into. And uh, um, I started working with that group and I met this guy, Michael, and um for a couple of years, we just kind of kept in touch just, just here and there. Um, and then about a little over a year ago, maybe, well, maybe two years ago, um, he and I, um, well, he was writing some adventures for Torchbearer, the role-playing game. Um, 
everybody check out Torchbearer. It's really good. Um, he was doing adventures and just doing a bunch of writing. And I am just kind of obsessive about the the info design stuff. So I just couldn't not read his work and just design it to look just like the Torchbearer books look. Um, so I was just kind of like doing it without him asking me. And uh, I started helping him edit and um, like develop some stuff and play test some things. And then he showed me um, his latest prototype for uh, Goblinville, which um, anyone who's been at the store or, or knows me, um, that's kind of dominated my, my life for the last year or so. Um, he showed me Goblinville and uh, Kickstarter was doing an initiative called Zine Quest in February, which um, they just wanted people to make zines, little handmade books um, for RPGs, just like back in late seventies when D and D was just kind of like a regional thing. And, you know, um, you know, D and D players and, and game masters, dungeon masters, I'm sorry, uh, would make their own content and trade it and stuff. So Kickstarter was like, Hey, you guys do this too. Um, so I was talking to Michael, I was like, Hey, let's do a zine quest. You know, like, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, and then he's like, let's do Goblinville. So, um, put it up on Kickstarter. Um, made a lot of money. <laughs> um, we were just baffled and really pleasantly surprised at how much support we got. Um, not only from people, you know, just players at large, but the the actual game designers that we were um, influenced by. Um, and it just showed us that uh, the indie design world, um, there are these people that are, you know, the, the stars of it, but they don't hold themselves higher than anyone else. Um, and you know, it's, it's a really cool, warm, welcoming community. Um, and that also, um, is another thing that I try to instill at the store is, you know, creativity and, um, you know, just everybody's cool. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we, we did that. Um, that was a four book series and, um, I did all the illustration and I did all the, the layout and I screen printed the covers and, um, it was a really cool process because I've been like hacking games and just working on, you know, my own designs and stuff for since I was like 12 years old, but never really finished anything because, you know, I'm always just trying new things and playing different things and stuff like that. Um, so this was the first time that I was really able to completely finish a project. And it was the same for Michael as well. Um, you know, he had been working on games just like me and, you know, but never anything came to actual fruition and we you know the partnership um helped you know helped uh you know helped us finish it and, and work on it also uh, a really crazy crash deadline after um after the kickstarter was complete we had a month before um packs again so we had to it was crazy it was totally insane um <laughs> um but uh but yeah but it was really great because as for, as an artist um an illustrator i really got to dig into just doing a ton of work and um, just iterations. And, you know, just as, as with the, the, the design of the game, there were many, many iterations and, and, and trials of the game and the same thing with my artwork. So um, it was, it was really, really cool to, to be able to just completely dig in. Um, but also, you know, finish a lot of artwork and a lot of, you know, you know, type editing and, and, and developing of the game. 
Um, and, uh, yeah, it was like a huge project and it's one of the things I'm, you know, most proud of that I've, that I've done so far. Um, and then, then, then the, for the next, uh, zine quest, we kickstarted another game. It's called rebel crown. And, uh, anyone who's played blades in the dark, it's based on that engine. Um, and that is kind of on hold right now, um, because of the whole COVID thing, but, um, but yeah. So um, between the store and starting to work with Michael on, on game design and, you know, publish stuff, self-publish, um, I've actually been able to take this hobby um, that I've done my whole life, just, you know, in different phases of my life, um, actually, you know, have some success, but not just the success, but just, you know, actually getting out there and, and, and people seeing it and, and liking it and, and being part of a part of a greater community that's out there. You also, uh, I mean, you're, you're a, a producer, right? For a music producer. I mean, uh, all the 16 of beats that we've used uh, have been you, you've, you've made them. Yep. Yep. Uh, is that something that you've, you've always had a passion for? Yeah. Um, um, Steve and I have been working on music um, since high school, really. Um, it was just kind of like something that we kind of talked about, like right around high school. And then, you know, late college started working together. Um, and then a few years after that, sort of working on more real stuff, like in earnest. Um, but as far as music goes, it's just, I mean, I don't know. I've never really been a person to just kind of do one thing, um, there's something that kind of drives me to like, Hey, I like this thing and I'm going to try to do it. Um, and if it, you know, and if I enjoy it, I just keep doing it. Um, and music has been one of those things. Um, I started playing guitar like late high school, I think. Um, and, uh, you know, um, into college, I started playing in bands and all along that time I was working with Steve. I was doing the, doing the beats. Steve was rapping. I, I've been working on, on new stuff um, for the group that I'm doing with, with Steve, um, but also I've been recording my own stuff on and off for, for years and um, doing song a day projects where I'll, I'll, I'll make a song and, and record it um, one, one a day for a month. Um, I haven't done that in a couple of years, but it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and before that, I was in uh, a band called Uncle Monster Face, which um, everybody should look up. It's really fun, kind of geek, geek rock, sock puppet rock band. Um, it's kind of hard to explain. I played drums with them and did a lot of artwork and design and, and stuff like that. Um, so uh, that was something that kind of propelled me into, um, you know, to, to keep doing music um, and just learn everything that I possibly can, um, to just, you know, just to, just to do stuff, have fun and, um, express myself. You said, you said too, that, um, that this kind of lockdown too has, uh, has had some impact on you musically as far as both trying to record some stuff, but also kind of sharpening your knowledge base of the technical parts of music too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm working on, uh, like a group of songs it's kind of heavy sort of bluesy metalish kind of music and um 
working on it for a oh, while. Fun. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty good. I I don't know, it's coming up pretty well. Um, but uh, yeah, working on the you know it's about eight songs, and uh, I was like, hey, you know what? Now I can actually like really polish them and and finish them instead of just making songs and then they're just sort of like left in a demo state or just, you know, okay, this is the best I can get it. And this is the song. Um, I'm actually going to, you know, finish them. Um, but that means um, figuring out how to record my drums um, well, um, figuring out how to master things like, you know, just all those little like, bits and pieces of, 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 of the music making home, home recording process that I just didn't really, um, pay attention to before. Um, and it's, it's crazy and daunting, but it's, it's, it's also like really cool rabbit hole to kind of go down because, you know, once I know how to do that, it's going to make every other music project that I do, um, come out even better. Um, but it's also been really fun because I'm playing all the instruments. Um, I play drums, bass, guitar, um, some programming and stuff, and then singing as well. So, um, it's, uh, sort of like a stub like I'm, I'm stubbornly doing everything myself just to see if I can do it so um yeah yeah so um yeah it's just you know sort of like the quarantine has kind of been a cool sort of sabbatical to be able to um you know delve into some projects um because I, I have some un uninterrupted time to do it amidst you know trying to trying to make some money as well uh, I always like to when when I have a fellow creative on talk about um, there's sort of like like Steve was saying structure or, or discipline when it comes to creating and um, and if if that looks the same it's mostly me uh, validating my own insecurities about uh, how good of uh, uh, at creating I am oh man but it's um is is do you force yourself to, to write? And like, do, do you say, all right, today I'm going to cut out eight hours and I'm just going to write and I'm just going to create, or is it, is it more of along the lines of, okay, it's not, I'm not feeling it right now. So I'm just going to wait until something grabs me. Yeah. Or like, what is your creative process look like? It's kind of, sense? it's kind of a mix. Um, but it's really, the spirit is just really mercurial. It just like, it, it hits or, or it doesn't. And like, you know, so back when I was working on Goblinville, um, we had deadlines. So like I had to do the shit. Um, but at the same time, um, it, it was made easier by sitting down and drawing for like a half hour, um, a day and just iterating. Um, that's, that's one of my processes that I'll, that I'll kind of loop back to, but, um, but yeah, no, I mean, in general, it's like for, for music or, um, I mean, if I'm working on a game design, it's usually a ton of stuff, um, a, a ton of work. If, if it's a game that I'm like currently playing or, or, um, you know, or if it's, if it's part of something that we're publishing, but, um, but music and art, I'm always kicking myself. Like, you know, it's like the, uh, you know, the imposter syndrome you know like i was I, I feel like you know i'm a huge piece of shit because i'm not like producing things like every day and like no you know no artist really does that um you know no one's working every single day on stuff um and you know and the stuff that we see people do that's great 
you know, they made like a whole bunch of other shit that was garbage. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean like it, like I'll, I'll sit down and sometimes I'll just play guitar and not record anything or anything like that. Just, I'll just play guitar a little bit every day and just start building, you know, a bunch of, of different stuff that I eventually will work on or, or if it's artwork, you know, it, it, it goes in phases, definitely goes in phases. But one of the biggest things, um, that I have found, um, and I started realizing it with the game design is, um, is iteration. And, um, I will draw something like 50 times until it comes out good. And sometimes I'll completely finish a drawing or, or an illustration and be like, no, you know what? I'm going to do it again. I'm going to do, I'm going to draw this whole isometric map again, because I think I can do it better. I didn't do it. I didn't do this part right. I think I can do it better. Um, same thing with the music. Um, I mean, it's kind of a no brainer with music. You got to do it. You got to do it until it's, until it's good. Um, but just trying things over and over and over again. Um, and for me, at least it's something that like, once I start doing it, like I can't stop doing different versions and, um, doing things like over and over again until it, until it feels right. Um, and so I, I'm, I can imagine that's kind of like that with comedy too. Like you, the way that you have to refine, refine jokes and, and bits and stuff. Right. Oh, for sure. It's, it's, I mean, every, every comedian will say that like a joke is never really done. It, it, you always, uh, I mean, you can write it and like none of my jokes from to where I've written the whole thing and to where like now are exactly the same like you always you always take and refine especially because comedy is one of those things where just because you write it doesn't mean you know if it's a good joke or not you you have to you have to take it to an audience right it's an interaction where i mean music is like that too but you can you can write and record an entire album and put it out and then if it resonates it resonates and if not it it it's not, but you don't know if it's a joke until you, you get that instant feedback from an audience. Yeah. Um, so I totally understand the idea of iteration and, and, and just working on it and working on it. And it's, um, I, I think that's, that's the mindset that takes, um, uh, an art form, uh, and also, you know, it, it's an art form, but it's also a craft, you know, and, and it's, it's not, it's where it's, uh, there's value in in killing babies as as they say when 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 editing or you know there's value in 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 not resting on your laurels and and looking at it like it's a work in progress always yeah yeah actually um with the uh, with screen printing um it's a very mechanical and technical process so that kind of spoke to me um, back when I was starting to learn it and still now as I'm still refining, um, my process, uh, it's not going to work unless you're doing it right. So, um, you know, something, you know, that's, it's kind of like mm-hmm. a combination of, of artisan and like technician and, and artist as well. That's all the time we have. Thank you so much, Eric, for joining us. Um, it was a pleasure. Yeah, no problem. Uh, my name is Brent McGurk. And I'm Steve Jones. And I'm Eric Swanson. Uh, uh, remember nothing matters. Uh, we're all going to get through this and, uh, William Cooper Shar is a fucking cunt. Oof.